0: past Celebration Church, good to be with everyone tonight. Happy New Year to everyone in Appleton and Stevens Point. All of you in Green Bay, good to have you. Let's all greet each other tonight at all of our campuses. Good to have everybody. With us uh, tonight will be a little different, as you know, Pastor Mark. He's been walking us through the New Testament and uh, going verse by verse. He's walking through the book of Acts in like a chronological order. So when one of the other New Testament books was written, he jumps into that, and that's what we've been up to. So uh, January will feel a little bit different while we give Pastor Mark a little time off. So tonight I wanted to kind of set up a season that we're calling our church into. And we're calling our church into a season of prayer that we're calling 21 Days of Prayer. And it'll really set up your life to reorient it and center it around God. So that's the idea for 21 Days of Prayer. So I'm gonna kind of talk about prayer this evening. And I believe that this is something that will change your life. This is something that'll change our church. This is something that'll change our communities. It'll change your spiritual life, and so I just want to open up tonight's service with a word of prayer. Let's all pray. Father God, we just come before you right now, and uh, wherever we're at, those joining us online, our campuses, uh, here in Green Bay, God, we come before you in prayer here this evening, and uh, Lord, I pray that through tonight uh, that we would just build a deeper desire to pray Uh, to follow you, to develop spiritual disciplines in our life, that we would be transformed by prayer. And uh, God, we just welcome you into our evening tonight, our Bible study. Pray that you uh, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our minds to hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so uh, can you believe it's 2018 already? It's unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, Time just seems to keep flying by faster and faster. Uh, I don't know about you, but it seems like every year that I get a little bit older, and I'm 39, I'm not all that old, but every every year that I get older, it seems like life moves by quicker. And uh, I've got four kids now and they keep me extremely busy, and I've got a wife who's highly organized, and she makes sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be and doing what I'm supposed to do, and uh, because she's so organized and so good at doing all those things, she can keep our schedule pretty busy, and I appreciate it, Uh, but it makes things busy, and time flies by really fast when you're busy, and uh, I've got a job that I absolutely love, but I do a lot, and it makes time go by really quick. When you're younger, things, things seem to move just a little bit slower, doesn't it? Like taking a road trip, you know, like that question that all kids ask, are we there yet? You know, gets asked over and over again. And, uh, but the older you get, life just seems to really fly, and the new year is upon us already. Uh, I moved to Green Bay in 2007 to be on staff here at Celebration Church. And uh, at that time, I had just one child. I had Dylan. Uh, He had just turned one years old. And here in just a few days, he'll turn 12. It's like, my goodness. Some of you guys are saying 12 years old, that's nothing. Wait till you got him turning 20 and 30 and 40, you know. But man, life moves quick. And now I got uh, three more kids and and life life is busy. And I tell you what, uh, I don't want life to just pass me by. Uh, I want to squeeze every drop out of life. I don't want to stop without smelling the roses, you know? And I don't know, a lot of you can probably relate to that without slowing down uh, enough to continue growing as a person. Uh, If you move by too quickly and you don't take time to develop yourself, I don't want to just fly by in life and never take time to grow as an individual. Uh, And you do that by slowing down and paying attention to your life. Uh, I don't wanna just let life pass me by where I don't slow down to focus in on my relationships, uh, to build my relationship with my wife and my kids and my friends and the people I work with, Uh, those of you that are part of our church. I don't want life to just move by so quick that I don't take time to do things like that in my life. I know a lot of you share those types of feelings that life is going by quick. And you're like, my goodness, it's 2018 already. And that's really what a big part of a new year is all about. It's kind of this fresh start to sit back and take a look at your life. And a lot of us will enter into what we call New Year's resolutions when the new year comes. A lot of you probably have already done that in your life. And we enter into this and we commit to ideas like, I'm gonna lose weight, or I'm gonna start exercising, or I'm gonna read more, I'm gonna drink less coffee, I'm gonna stop some bad habits. And as much as all of those things are great and we should do those things in our life and it's good to develop yourself, the same holds true in your spiritual life. And if you're not careful, time will just fly on by And you won't have taken any time to develop your spiritual life. And then day by day goes by, and days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into years. And if you don't take time to develop your spiritual life, it'll just pass you by, and you wouldn't have grown any in your Christian walk. So tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about that, because I don't want time to fly by with me not focusing in on my spiritual life, and I don't want it for you guys. I don't want it for the people that go to our church. I want you to take time to develop your spiritual life. I want you to become all who God's created you to be, and that's really what this 21 days of prayer is all about. It's about taking time to pause as we head into the new year and center your life around God. You know, there's, as we grow in life, if you're going to develop a good habit, if you're going to start exercising, if you're going to eat well, all these different things. Same is true in our spiritual life. It's, it's true of getting an education. It's true of saving money. It's true of having a good marriage and relationships. There's kind of three phases to growing in your life, three phases to the process of growing. And the first one is this, it's desire. You've got to want to go there first of all. You've got to want some change in your life. And it's that way if you're going to develop the habit of prayer, you've got to want to pray. So if you're going to grow in prayer, it starts with desire. And that's really, that's all I'm asking for tonight is just to hopefully build inside of you a deeper desire to want to pray. The next phase is that desire needs to lead into some discipline. Discipline. Uh, If you're going to have something in your life that you're going to build, whether it's a great marriage or great business, or if you're going to grow in prayer, you're going to have to move from desire to discipline. You need to put these things into practice. And here's the deal, when you start putting in a discipline in your life and you start practicing something, it's not always gonna go great to begin with. You know, my my son, Dylan, he's learning how to play basketball right now. It's his first year being on a basketball team. And it's been a ton of fun to watch because when he first started playing basketball, he really didn't know a whole lot about what he was doing. But by this time, I can go to a game and man, he's learning how to dribble. He's learning how to shoot the ball. He's learning how to play with the team. And the more he does it, the better he gets. But some of those first practices and some of those first games, it was kind of funny to watch this whole team of kids that's learning how to do this for the first time fumble about, right? But the more you do something, the better you get. And it's like that with prayer. Uh, Prayer might not feel great when you first start out. You might feel like you're fumbling around and you don't quite know how to do it. So tonight we're going to teach a little bit about prayer, just like a basketball coach is going to teach a little bit about how to play the game of basketball. So it starts with desire, and then you you move into discipline, and then ultimately it turns into delight. If you do those first two things, it will ultimately turn into delight. It'll become something that's a joy for you in your life. Uh, If you're terrible at golf, it's not much of a joy, but the better you get at golf, the more fun it is to swing and hit the ball and see it go flying. And that's what prayer is like. The better you get at it, the more joy it will bring you in your life. So you got to move from discipline to desire, and then ultimately it becomes a delight in your life. And I want to encourage you to do that, to experiment with me just here a little bit. Whether you've been a Christian for a long time, and some of you have, and maybe you would say, you know what, I've been a Christian a long time. But I've never been successful at developing a lifestyle of prayer. Or maybe you're brand new to faith and you're just figuring this stuff out. Well, I want to help you with your prayer life tonight because a lot of people simply don't have a prayer life because they don't know how to pray. So real practically, I talked a little bit about this on Christmas Eve, you got to kind of develop a strategy of prayer in your life. And and I just want to give you two words. And if you remember anything from tonight, just remember these two words. And it's this, pray first. Can we all at all of our campuses, can we all say those words together right now? Let's say this together. Pray first. That if we would pray first before you get out of bed in the morning and your feet hit the ground that you just start your day in prayer. And there's so many things that fight for our attention, especially when we first get up. Uh, I sleep next to my bed, and maybe you just need to change some hats, but next to my bed, that's where my phone charges. That's where my, my watch charges. All of those things, and I can wake up to all these dings, you know? Ding, 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 ding. All these things are happening and I've got alerts on my phones and text messages and emails and Facebook notifications and Instagram and whatever else has been going on on the cell phone. And man, you could wake up and you could spend the first part of your day just catching up on those things in life. But what would life look like before you open up the phone? You'd spend a little time with God. Before you move on with your day, before you send your kids off to school, before you go to bed at night, before you eat your meal, if you would just pray first. In every situation that we would pray first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says this. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ." Jesus. So how do you pray continually? Do you do this just by stopping everything in your life and now it's all about prayer? No, it's just about incorporating the everyday things of life and bringing God into the mix of it and praying in your life. It means that in every situation in life, let's bathe it in prayer, that we would pray first. And what we're all guilty of, I'm guilty of this too, is that we make a big mess out of something, we act first, and then we pray and ask God to bail us out. And what I'm saying is that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. There's a section in the Old Testament, it's in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Verse 13, it says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, it's almost like God is teasing you, saying, if my people will pray, if they'll do it, then then I'll answer their prayer. Then Then I will change the landscape. I will change things going on in our world if my people will pray. There's things happening in your life And God is sitting there saying, if my people will pray, I'll jump in. God wants us to pray. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I want you to know that you've got a role in what's happening in our society. You've got a role in what's happening in our world in our cities, in our church, in your family, on your job, in your marriage, all these things, your friends, your neighbors, your neighborhood, you've got influence and you've got a role to play. And God actually wants us to pray about those things. We need to pray. There's, there's a lot of examples that you can find throughout the Old Testament where God would say, I don't want to bring judgment against this land, but if my people would pray, I'd pull the judgment away and I would heal their land if my people would pray. There's a story in the Old Testament where the guy, he hits his cane against the rock and the water comes out, but he's got to hit his rock three times. Like, pray, get after God, do this, and God will respond. He's always called on his people to pray. So it's important that we develop this in our lives. You know, and I think that we live in a culture where really we have a, we're in a pretty blessed situation. You know, uh, we don't have uh, the poverty that a lot of the other rest of the world has. Uh, We don't have a lot of the crime that a lot of the world has. We don't have a lot of things like that in our lives. And we can answer a lot of our own problems with our finances or with our health insurance or whatever it is. And so our natural ability to just sit there and rely on God, maybe it's just not there for us. But I want you to know that you need to have that kind of reliance on God. God wants you to pray. If you've ever been through something tough, you know that you want people praying in your life. Uh, I can remember when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Man, I wanted people to pray. And uh, I contacted people from on the other side of the world (laughs) because I heard a story about this group in Myanmar. I've told the story before, but this group of orphans in Myanmar that prayed for a little girl that fell out of a tree and they fasted and they prayed that the little girl wouldn't die. And you know, long story short, the girl didn't die, but she lived and she thrived. And I heard this story and I, I really felt like I heard God just nudging me to say, ask those guys to pray. They really believe in prayer. And I did, and they would continue to pray for my wife. And to this day, I still get messages almost on a weekly basis saying, we're praying for your wife, how's she doing? We're praying for your wife, how's she doing? These guys have developed a lifestyle of prayer that's making a difference in their lives. And we need to be those kinds of people that are calling in those spiritual airstrikes, right? That we're calling out to heaven for things to happen in our lives. The number one reason why people don't see answers to prayer is because they don't pray. We freak out, we whine. Some of you drink a bottle of wine when something bad happens. (laughs) We do all these different things, but we don't pray. The number one reason why people don't get answers to prayer is because they don't pray. So it's important to learn how to pray effectively. It's like having a tool and not knowing how to use it. Uh, I had this last week on, uh, I guess it was Saturday, no, Maybe it was Friday. I think it was Saturday. My wife tells me, our dryer doesn't seem to be drying the clothes. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's fine. You just got to turn it on the right setting, you know? So I get down there and I try to set her dryer to the right setting. And uh, we get on there and we, we turn it on and nothing's going. I'm like, well, they worked on our gas line outside the house not long ago. Maybe, maybe they turned off the gas line or something like that. So I don't know how to fix dryers. So I immediately call a guy that knows how to fix things, uh, Leon Charnetsky. I'll give you his phone number if you need something fixed. No, I'm just kidding. But I call up Leon. I'm like, man, my dryer's not working. What do you think? Like, it's a gas dryer. You got any ideas? And uh, and he gave me a few ideas. And then I get on YouTube and I start watching some videos on how to fix a gas dryer. And the video tells me I need to have a multimeter so I can test uh, some electrical current, whatever that's called. And, And I don't know exactly how to do that. And so I get on Google and I put in multimeter because I don't know what a multimeter is. So I get on Google and I find multimeters and then I decide, all right, I'm going to go buy a multimeter. So I go to buy a multimeter and then I bring it home and I get it out of the box and I'm like, man, I have no idea how to use this thing. There's all these different dials and numbers and symbols and these different things. I have no idea how to use it. So I, I do what the People that know how to fix things do, they go on YouTube. So I go on YouTube and I put in how to, how to use a multimeter. So I get on YouTube, but it's not my multimeter. It's a different one, but I get it pretty close. And I'm afraid if I touch these things, I'm going to like, you know, electrocute myself or start on fire or something like that. So I, I call up Leon and I put him on video and I say, how do I use this multimeter? And he's giving me advice on how to use it. If you don't know how to use something, it's not going to work. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I'm learning a little bit about the multimeter and learning how to fix a dryer, and it's a good experience. And prayer is that same way. And there's some things that you can learn about prayer that will affect your prayer life. So we want to talk about that tonight. In fact, the disciples, they had the same question of Jesus they, they saw Jesus one time, he went away and he was praying and they saw Jesus praying and they wanted to know, Jesus, how is it that you pray like that? It seems like you're doing something different than what we're doing. And you read about it in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, On uh, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. I don't know if this would be helpful to you. It's helpful to me to go to a certain place to pray. Some of you just need a certain place where you can pray, where you get away from the distractions, where you can focus in on God. So Jesus is at a certain place where he was praying. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So teach us. This is something, if we can learn, maybe we can be more effective with our prayers. This is just as John taught his disciples. So just like John was teaching his disciples to pray, now Jesus' disciples are saying, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? How many of you know sometimes we need to be taught how to do some of the basic things in life, like use a multimeter, right? We need to learn how to do some of the basic things in spiritual life, like how to pray and uh, how to get some of these basic Christian disciplines in our life. Lord, teach me how to do this. It's a good attitude to have. I don't seem to be Getting it, And so Jesus then begins to teach them how to pray and it's this pretty familiar passage of scripture and it's called the Lord's Prayer. We pray it here at Celebration Church every Sunday and a lot of you are real familiar with the Lord's Prayer and uh, there's a shorter version of it in Luke chapter 11. Luke kind of records a shorter version but in Matthew you get the full expanded version of the Lord's Prayer and it's what we pray on Sunday mornings. And it reads like this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, this then is how you should pray. So they ask the question, teach us to pray. And then Jesus is going to lay out for them how to pray. And we pray this on Sundays, but it's really, it was never designed to necessarily be a prayer that you just make your prayer life, and you just pray the Lord's Prayer, and it's good to pray it, and I'm glad that we participate with that tradition that Christians for a couple thousand years have been joining with and and being a part of this prayer, and we do it on Sundays, but it's not so much a thing of how or of, of what you should pray as much as it is how you should pray. Jesus is really laying out an idea here for us about how, we should pray, not what we should pray. So is it wrong to pray the Lord's Prayer? It's not, and, and I, I love doing it, and I'm glad we do it, but it's more of a guideline of how we should pray. So we're gonna walk through the Lord's Prayer, <clears throat> and over the next couple Wednesdays, we're gonna do the same thing. We're going to spend a little time walking through it because it's really kind of a series of steps that if you do this, you're going to have a more effective prayer life. So tonight we'll look at just a couple of those. It's okay to pray it, but it's giving us more of a guideline of how to pray. So how do you pray? There's distinct elements in it that we'll look at during this season of prayer. So we'll read the the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It's just kind of reiterating that point that it's important that we have forgiveness towards others if you expect God to have forgiveness towards you. It says, uh, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So the first part of the Lord's Prayer we'll look at is that first phrase It says, our Father in heaven. So number one, if you're gonna have an effective prayer life. You need to connect with God relationally. The first thing that you need to realize when you come to God in prayer is that God is our father, that there's a relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. See, without Jesus, God, he's distant, that there's a wall between you and God, and that wall is made out of sin, and it separates us from God. But Jesus came so that that wall would be broken down, that we When you put your faith in Jesus, the wall comes down, and now you have direct access to God the Father, and you can come to him in prayer. There's no longer a wall, and you can have direct access to God. Jesus died. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that the wall could come down between you and God, and you could have direct access in prayer. Some people think, you know, if I could just be religious enough, then I could have access to God. If I could just be good enough, if I could just be nice enough, if I could do all of these things, then I could break that wall down and have access to God. But the only way to have access to God is faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that'll break that wall down. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. That word Abba is just the word that the kids use in that day for daddy. You know, it's my kids coming to me and saying, daddy, 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 I need something. And I love it when my kids come to me and say, daddy, I need something. That we don't have to pray to God as some distant being out there. Rather, he's a father. He is near and he's close. My kids, especially Jude, he's always asking me for juice. Uh, Jude's my four year old. He's addicted to juice. You can be praying for him during our 21 days of prayer. Uh, He's got his habit. He's got to have three cups of juice a night, and they've got to be laid out just perfectly for him. And he's got to have his three cups of juice. And then when he finishes his juice, he'll come in and he'll ask for more juice. He's addicted to juice, and he's got to have juice, and when he comes and asks for juice, he doesn't come in and say, dearest Heavenly Father, thou, could you please, Heavenly Father? No, 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 he just comes to me and says, Daddy, give me some more juice, and he comes to me, and I love, actually, I don't, I hate getting him juice at night, because I'm dead asleep, so don't wake up God. No, I'm just kidding. Uh But I love it when my kids just come to me and they ask me for what they need. They don't need to come to me in some extremely formal way. They can come to me like a child comes to their father. It's how my kids come to me and it's how you can come to God, our father in heaven. God wants you to be close to him and not distant. Uh, Hebrews chapter four and 16 says it this way. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence That we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can go to God with great confidence with what our needs are. That we can go to God in that way, no matter how jacked up you are, no matter how messed up your life is, that you can run to God with confidence, not because you're confident in yourself, but you're confident in Jesus Christ who covers a multitude of sins that if your faith is in him, he's faithful to forgive you and that you can go to God with confidence. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Knock, 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 knock. Knock on the door. My son, he doesn't need to knock on the door. He knows he can just open it right up. That's how God is with you. You can walk right in. God is waiting for you. He says, do it and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you who has a son that asks for bread will give him a stone? Right? My, if my son asks me for a sandwich, I'm not gonna hand him a rock. I'm gonna give him a sandwich. I'm not gonna tell him to chew on rocks. It says, what, which one of you, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give them a snake. How many of your kids eat fish? Any of them? No? My, my, my daughter will eat salmon. The rest of the kids are all afraid of fish at this point. But if I give them, if they ask for steak, man, they love steak, but I'm not going to hand them a snake. I'm going to give them a steak. And if you give them that, it says, we who are wicked, evil people, it goes on to say, if we will give our kids good things, how much more would your heavenly Father Give good gifts to those who ask him. God wants to bless you in your life. God wants to answer your prayers. Sometimes the answer is no. God knows what's best for you. Sometimes you're asking for things and God doesn't give it to you. God is the God that sees the beginning. He sees the end. He knows what you need. And sometimes the answer is no. But he wants you to have a relationship and he wants you to connect to him. God is our father. Now he's not a grandpa, he's not the crazy uncle that gives the kids candy and does whatever he wants with no discipline, right? He's not Santa Claus. God is our father. He's not our grandfather. So number 1, is connect with God relation relationally. Our father who is in heaven. Our God is in heaven and he sees all, he knows all, he sees the beginning, from the end. He knows what's best for you. He will open the doors that need to be opened. He will close the ones that need to be shut and you can put your trust in God. So pray to your father who's in heaven. Number two is worship his name. The next line in the Lord's prayer is, hallowed be your name. Now what Jesus is talking about here is having an attitude of praise, having that disposition of praise towards God. There's this story In the Old Testament, it's in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, verse 13, it says this. It says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. He says, tomorrow, I'll stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. It was this position that he was modeling, this position of praise and worship. If his hands were up, they were winning the battle. But if his hands were lowered, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. These guys figured it out. They figured out if I help him lift his hands up, we're going to win the battle. If we're having this posture of praise, we will win. They figured it out, so they helped him out. And they held his hands up, and it says that Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So if you're going to win the battle in prayer, the next thing that Jesus talks about is having that attitude of praise. Psalm 100, chapter, uh, chapter 100, verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks and praise to his name. That we enter his courts with thanksgiving, that we enter his courts with praise. This is kind of a reference to the Old Testament where they're kind of talking about the temple and going into it where they would go for prayer and they do all these different things to prepare. But on their way there, they would actually be walking into the temple with praise on their lips and thanksgiving in their, in their words. And they were walking in with that attitude of praise. Psalm 103 says this. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And five benefits you'll see in this chapter. It says, one, who forgives all of your sins. How many of you are thankful that God is faithful to forgive you of your sins? We are knuckleheads sometimes, aren't we? And we do things and we mess up and God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. And he says, give praise to God who is faithful to forgive you of your sins. And then next it says, to heal you of all your diseases. We've got a God that heals, that we can put our trust in God and we can give him praise and we can give him thanks and we can ask him to heal our bodies that are sick and things going on in our lives. Three, it says, who redeems your life from the pits the devil is literally trying to dig a ditch in a pit of the life that you're heading on. That if you're walking down a spiritual path, following God, or if you've not given your life to God yet, that Satan is trying to dig a ditch in the middle of your path, that you will fall into your pit. But it says that God will redeem your life from the pit, that he will pull you out of it, that he will even keep you from falling inside of it and that you can give God thanks that he has taken your life and redeemed it and turned it around, that that pit will not destroy you, whatever it is you're facing in life. Number four, it says, and crowns you with love and compassion, that God literally covers you with his nature. That we don't naturally want to love our enemies. That we naturally don't want to be compassionate towards people. But it says that God will literally take his nature and crown you with it. That he will cover you with love and compassion. That you would be transformed. That you would look different to the world. And we give God thanks that he gives us his nature. That it's changing you. That before God... We were all miserable wrecks until God changed me. And thank God that I'm a new man. That I'm not just the same old Bob. I'm not a a Bob that's been retooled, but I am a new creation. That if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new is here. That it's not even me that lives anymore, but it's Christ that lives in me. Galatians chapter 2. And then number 5 says, Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God, on top of everything that you've done for me, you continue to bless me, that God wants to bless you in your life. And we give God praise and thanksgiving because God wants to bless you in your life. Proverbs chapter 18 says this in verse 10, says, God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. Worshiping God is a place that we can run to in this attitude of worship, and it's a place that we can come under the covering of heaven where we're kept safe, where we are kept protected, and it's in that atmosphere of praise and worship when we come to God in prayer. that It's giving God thanks for not only what has happened in your life, but what is yet to come. You know, looking back is a great way to build faith in your life, to look at the little things that God's done in your life. And when you look back at how God's been faithful, it will build you up in your life. Little answered prayers praying to God for different things to take place in your life. And when you see those answers happen, you can look back and say, God, you were faithful in that moment and I know you'll do it again. I know you'll be faithful in my life one more time. And as you do that more and more and more, your faith will be built up and you understand the power of prayer in your life. So quickly, uh, we're going to wrap up just a little bit early tonight, uh, and we'll do that a little bit more on these Wednesday evenings. We're not going to go a full hour, but quickly, I want to let you know how you can participate with 21 days of prayer. Uh, It all starts this Sunday on January 7th, and it'll go from January 7th to the 27th, and it'll be 21 consecutive days, and what we're asking is that all of our campuses, that all of you, as many of you as possible, would participate with us in this season of prayer, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna open up the churches at 6.15 in the morning. Doors will be open a little bit earlier than that, but we're gonna open up all of our auditoriums, and you can come in, and we're gonna have music playing And at 6.15, we're going to have the service start. For some of you, that might sound really early, like for me. That sounds really early. I'm not a morning guy. I'm a night guy. But I will be here at 6.15 in the morning, and uh, we'll open up that service with just a short little message on prayer. It'll be about 10 minutes long. One of our uh, pastors at the church will lead that time. We're going to open up just with a few thoughts and a short little message encouraging you about prayer And then we're going to have prayer guides, and they'll be at the front of all of our stages. The prayer guides, you'll be able to come and grab those, and it'll guide you on how to pray during this season of prayer. It'll talk about things, about how you can pray over your family, how you can pray over the leadership in our nation, how you can be praying for uh, needs in your life, how you can be praying for other people, how you can be praying for yourself and in your career in these different areas. We're going to pray that prayer guide is going to walk you through that. So that'll be here. And then there's going to be uh, a, a daily prayer focus where every day we're going to grab a different area in our world, in our lives, in our church, and we're going to pray over those areas. So at the, at the end of that prayer time, we'll give you about 20 minutes where you'll spend some time in prayer, and then we'll come together for a corporate prayer time at the end of that, and we'll get you out of here at 7 o'clock. Uh, So we'll go from 6.15 to 7 o'clock. Uh, Here at the church in Green Bay, in Appleton, and in Stevens Point, we would ask that you join with us uh, as much as you're able to during those 21 days. And during that prayer time, we're also going to have prayer requests. So, a lot of people have already been filling out those prayer requests. And if you've got things happening in your life, and I do, and I know you do too, fill out a prayer request and be specific. Like my wife, on that day I was fixing the dryer, I was in the middle of testing all these wires, and I got a phone call from her sister saying, "Dana fell over and I think she broke her wrist." I'm like, "What? Broke her wrist? Come on!" And uh, she's like, "No, I think she broke her wrist." And so I got there as fast as I could, and I'm flying through intersections. And I got to where she was, and she fell over, and her wrist was mangled. Man, it was some of you would puke if you saw it. It was that bad. Uh, but she fell down and she broke her wrist. So I can be praying for my wife that broke her wrist very specific prayer. Pastor Bob's wife fell down, broke her wrist, and we want it to heal well. Amen? So be specific. All of you have things going on in your life that I know that you could be praying about. So make a list and be praying over those things yourself, uh, and then fill out a prayer request if you'd like, and uh, leave it at the church. And we would love to be praying for you during that time about things that might be happening in your life so we can be trusting God together and praying for you. So do that. We'll be praying over those prayer requests. And then lastly, we will be fasting. So we're going to sp- take 21 days and we're going to fast. It's, uh, it's New Year's, so hopefully that almost sounds like fun, right? Because fasting is not very fun. In fact, it's pretty terrible and it goes by pretty slow. It's not very fast if you've ever tried doing it before. Uh, but it's New Year's and maybe you could tend to lose a few pounds anyhow, or whatever it is. But we're going to fast. And for some of you, maybe it's not food. Maybe it's something like coffee, or it's something like sugar. Or maybe you want to give up social media, or whatever it is. But we're going to fast. And the idea of fasting is that you give something up to make room for God in your life. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast. He says, when you fast. That as Christians, that we should develop the habit of fasting in our lives. So if you've never developed the habit of fasting in your life, sorry, this cord's driving me crazy. I've got a cord falling down my shirt. Um, If you've never fasted in your life, you should develop a habit of doing that in your life where you make space for God. Traditionally in the Bible, they would give up food. And they would give, maybe for you, it doesn't look like giving up food for a long period of time. Maybe it looks like a meal. Skipping lunch. Maybe it looks like cutting certain things out of your diet. Maybe it looks like cutting out coffee. Maybe it looks like cutting out social media, but whatever it is, do something because when you do, it will help center your life around God. It'll make you dependent. When you're dying for that food or that thing that you're giving up, it helps you acknowledge that, God, I need you more than I need coffee in my life. God, I need you more than I need uh, this meal. God, I need you more than I need to check what's going on on Facebook or whatever it is. Take time and fast and it will change your life. When you see that things are going well in your life and some of you things are going great and you don't have a lot of desperation towards God, what fasting will do is that even if things are going great, it'll create some desperation inside you when you're craving that thing that you gave up. And it's in that desperation that you turn towards God and you invite Him into that space. That we rely on Him and we reorient ourselves towards God. So, again, this all starts on uh, January 7th. It's this Sunday. And it's Sunday. And the focus of that day is we'll be praying for our church services. And uh, this is a Wednesday evening. Most of you that come on Wednesday, are really people that kind of think of yourself as, as core people within the church. And uh, you know that there's a lot of people that come to every single one of our campuses that don't know God. We're going to be praying for the lost, people that don't know God yet. We're going to be praying for the person that's preaching on that Sunday morning. We're going to be praying over Pastor Mark, who's our lead pastor. We're going to be praying over people that come in and they're hurting and they need to get a fresh touch from God. We're going to be praying over those things on Sunday morning. So it will even be happening on Sundays. You can join us inside of our sanctuaries at every single one of our campuses on Sunday morning. Uh, And do that. So we'd ask that you join with us and join with us in fasting as well. John chapter 15 and verse five, as we close, says this. says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not grounded in God, nothing's gonna work in life. God is what we need to be connected to with deep roots going inside and fasting and prayer will build that in your life. Amen. I'm going to pray. And then uh, as we dismiss, just know this, we finished up uh, 15 minutes earlier than normal tonight. And uh, just give the uh, kids down at that end of the building, also give the youth down at that end of the building, their programs don't end here for another 15 minutes. So if you want to stick around, you can do that. Uh, if you've got kids and just hang out, grab a cup of coffee, chat with somebody, we'd appreciate that. And just know too, that uh, if you've got kids in those areas, that's what they're talking about tonight. They're talking about prayer. Uh, they're talking about those things and it's what they'll be doing on Sunday mornings a little bit as well and encouraging them to do it. Uh, I know a lot of them will be getting a little, uh, what are those called, Uh, timers with the sand inside of it. And it goes for a minute. And so they're kind of giving them, they'll be doing a couple different things. They'll be going through the Lord's Prayer. They'll also be going through a little acronym of prayer. So P-R-A-N-Y and giving them one minute uh, for each of those things so they can take time to focus in on prayer. So if you pick up your kids, you can be talking to them about that as well. So let's uh, just close our time here tonight. Lord, we just come before you and we thank you for this wonderful church. Lord, I thank you for the season of prayer that we're walking into, God, and I pray that there would be uh, those that would just join with us and that we would uh, be transformed by the power of prayer and that it would not only change our lives, but God, we really pray for transformation in our church. We pray for transformation in our communities, in the world, and the different areas that we touch and impact. God, I pray that you would be with us here tonight. We just give you praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. Bye, campuses.